Good morning and blessings to you. My name is Lou and I'm going to be sharing some scripture with you. I'm going to be sharing some thoughts maybe. If God provides, maybe some insight. My purpose for doing this, I just want to be a voice. A voice for Almighty God sharing His Word, which brings healing, hope, love, and joy. Brings clarity. Brings security. So, with that, I'm just going to dive into it. I'm going to look at three scriptures. I picked them out because I like them. And I think they convey an overall message. First reading is going to be from the first letter of John, chapter 2, verses 22 to 28. So the first letter of John, chapter 2, 22 to 28. Beloved, who is the liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, whoever denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. No one who denies the Son has the Father, but whoever confesses the Son has the Father as well. Let what you heard from the beginning remain in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He made us eternal life. I write you these things about those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you received from Him remains in you, so that you do not need anyone to teach you. But His anointing teaches you about everything and is true and not false, just as it taught you remain in him. And now, children, remain in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be put to shame by him at his coming. And something from Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wondrous deeds, his right hand has won victory for him, his holy arm. The Lord has made his salvation known. In the sight of the nations he has revealed his justice. He has remembered his kindness and his faithfulness toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation by our God. Sing joyfully to the Lord, all you lands. Break into song. Sing praise. And from the good news of Jesus Christ according to St. John, chapter 1, 19 to 28. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to him to ask him, Who are you? He admitted and did not deny it. 
but admitted, I am not the Messiah. So they asked him, what are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? So we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you have to say for yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Some Pharisees were also sent. They asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But there is one among you whom you do not recognize, the one who is coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. This happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. I would invite you now, if you haven't looked up these scriptures yet, pause this, look up these these scriptures for yourself. Take time to read them over for yourself. As we put ourselves before the word, as we place ourselves in his view, he always sees us. But a lot of times we go through our day, maybe we think about him, maybe we talk to him in our heart, in our mind. But how often do we sit down for five minutes and share with him? He does want that. He wants it so very much. The word says to us that he loves us more than our own mother. That he is closer than a brother. Someone who cares for us. Who thinks about us so much. Is he not worth five minutes? So I'll pause right now. And I'll come back.
Hello again, my friend. I hope you've had time to look over the scriptures, to read them for yourself. I also hope that when you sit down to look at scripture, that you would first ask God for his Holy Spirit to be poured out over you, that your spirit would be calmed that your mind would be opened to him and what it is that he's saying to your heart. I hope that you ask for the Spirit of God to show you his insight, his revelation. We all need that. It's one thing to listen to a good pastor, a good teacher, preacher. It's another thing to be taught from the knee of God. I think about Mary and Martha. While Martha was so busy trying to prepare the food and everything for the the guests in her home. Mary was kneeling at the knee of Jesus, learning from the knee of God. Looking at the first letter of John, the first sentence stands out for me. Beloved, who is the liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. I find that a very significant and important statement. It's hard for us to think sometimes outside of our own reality, outside of our own day, our own events. A pastor said to me once, Try to learn about what it was like to live as a first century Christian. A first century follower of Christ Jesus. What was their life like? Being a follower. Basically being a member of an illegal religion. They had to keep their faith hidden and secret. Because the Romans wanted to put down any any talk of Christ Jesus. They wanted to shut those people away and maybe even kill them. The Roman Empire recognized that this faith, this church, this group known as the way was something significant, was something different. They had not come across something like this before. This type of religion, this type of faith did more for these people than just give them a new way of paying alms, giving sin offerings, 
this offered them hope. Hope can be a powerful, powerful thing. Hope can give us strength we never knew we possessed. And maybe we didn't. Because faith in Christ Jesus is so different than believing in ourself, believing in a leader, believing in a pastor, believing in rituals. It's so different. And the Roman Empire saw that this would be something they could not snuff out. Not easily. They tried. They tried. They went after the followers. They went after the leaders. St. Paul talks about being imprisoned, being stoned, being beaten. The message of Christ Jesus was not recognized, nor was it welcomed everywhere. People had to speak about their faith in Jesus very selectively. Jesus tells us in his word that we are to be as wise as a serpent and as peaceful as a dove. And I'm sure that many in the early church hung on to that very wise, very wise advice. <laughs> Jesus advises us so much. God advises us so much. We think about them as commands sometimes. But I have to say that in the letters of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, John puts across to us that God is love and love is God. That God is not about punishment. He does not seek to strike us down. On the contrary, he sent his only son that he would bear our stripes, take on our bruising, and ultimately suffer death on a cross to give us opportunity for eternal life. We didn't ask for it, but God knew that we needed it. And Jesus, his son, knew that we needed what only he could give. He left his father's side. He left the beauty and the majesty of heaven. And he came as a baby. He came as a baby and allowed us to take care of him. Mary and Joseph were his parents. And he was a helpless infant. 
He needed us. What I'm talking about is I'm not trying to turn anybody's face upside down. What I'm trying to do is to point to the awesomeness of God. The love that he has for us. The blind trust that he puts in humanity. I heard a story once that when Jesus returned to heaven and an archangel said to him, after everything you've been through, do you believe that what you did will succeed? What, what plans have you left in place? What do you plan to do to make sure that this, everything, your shed blood, your, your torn flesh, your sacrifices, how will you make sure that it succeeds? And Christ Jesus looked at, that, at the archangel and said, I lift it in the hands of 12 men. I have no other plan. God has entered into our world and our existence because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. He loves the thought and idea of everything that we can become. You and I don't see it, but when God looks at us, he sees everything that we can be in him, through him and with him. So when you have time, do some research, do some Googling, do some reading, maybe talk to your pastor, see what he may suggest, but look at some of the things, the time period in which the first century Christians lived. Try to gain an idea of what their struggle was like because these people were not much different than you and I. What really sets us apart is uh, we, can, we can flick a switch and turn on a light bulb. We open a spigot and we get water pouring into our house. Um, we don't have to go out and slay our food for the day. We can go to a grocery store and just pick it up off the shelf. Other than that, they are just like us and we are just like them. But they went through struggles, persecutions, testing of faith, 
that we can't understand unless we try to learn. They were of a generation or offspring of a generation that saw God in the flesh walking among us, caring for us, healing us, loving us. They saw him. They saw him. What a miracle to behold. When Simeon saw the infant Jesus in the temple, he said to God, I can die now a peaceful man, for I have seen your salvation. My eyes have looked upon you. So, learn about your ancestral, spiritual forefathers and foremothers. Learn about them. Learn about the people in the Bible. Rachel, David, study them. Learn what we can. These were people, some of them who gave their life to testify to the truth that God walked the earth. And his message for us is that he does not hate us. He does not despise us. He loves us. He is our heavenly father. I'm going to say something that might sound a little difficult, but I just ask you to please uh, give me a wide berth here and think about God as your mother and father. The Bible does not tell us that God is of a particular sex. Jesus refers to God as his heavenly father. But I say to you, and I don't believe that Jesus would give me an argument, that God is all that we need. That he is all that we need. Some of us can relate because we had a good relationship with our father. So to think about a heavenly father, it's not a difficult leap. Some of us did not have a good relationship with our father on earth. Maybe even a hurtful relationship with our father on earth. But our mother, our mother was our saving grace. Our mother was our defender our support. And I say God is all of that and more for us. Jesus in the word spoke out as he looked down from the mount and he said, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you to myself as a hen 
gathers her chicks, but you would not let me. My own view, that type of love, which Jesus is so capable of, because he is fully human, fully God. That is a mother's love for their children. We wouldn't hear a macho man today express such words. More than likely, they would be intimidated. They would be intimidated and they would be worried about being judged by their own peers. So just to back out of all of this and look again at the scriptures, looking at the gospel, John the Baptist, he was a voice, a voice crying out in the desert. Do you ever feel like you're in a spiritual desert that maybe you don't have that many spiritual friends or you may have friends that you know at church, but for some reason or another, sometimes uh, when you try to talk, it's like you're on different wavelengths. They're seeing things from one side. You're seeing it from another. It's like you want community. You want to be able to sit down with a group of friends from church. And and what you say, they get. They get it. And you get what they say. It's difficult. Because we are all in a different place. Once in a while, we'll meet up with someone who's close to us, to our situation. And when we share an idea, we share a thought, they get it. And when they share with us, we get it. Those are unique times. Paul shared with Timothy. And I believe Timothy got it. Paul refers to Timothy as his son. But not so much a son of the fleshly kind, but of the spiritual kind. Timothy was Paul's protege. And Paul was Timothy's mentor. And so there was some years of difference between them. And we know we can talk to someone younger than us by 10 or 15 years. And the things that we hear them say, the experiences that they recount, we think, boy, I remember going through stuff like that. I'm glad I'm not there anymore, but um, I don't know how I can relate to this person without sounding like a father time, without sounding like now I know everything. or So we wind up um, 
sort of just letting them talk. And unless they ask, maybe not even giving in advice, unless the spirit is putting his finger in your back and you feel compelled to say something. And then you do, because that's what God wants. And we just trust God. We trust God. God trusts us. He trusts you. That may be something that you find hard to accept. Then you don't have to. You don't have to accept that. Today. But maybe next week. Maybe next month. God trusts us. He trusts us. He loves us. I hope that you've found some encouragement in the things that I've shared with you today. And I hope that you'll come back again sometime and find out what I'm serving up. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking, a lot of time pondering, and I'll continue because that's who I am. That's how I'm wired. God's made me this way. And I hope and pray that I take the gifts that he has implanted in me and uses it as a holy fertilizer to grow his kingdom. And may he also use the gifts that he has placed inside of you to not only grow his kingdom where you are, but to grow his kingdom in your heart, in your spirit. Many times Jesus spoke to people and he let them know that the kingdom of God was close at hand. And it was right after he had discussion with them. He didn't just tell them it was at hand. He heard it inside them. May it grow inside of you. Until the next time. This is Lou signing out. Peace 